You're very welcome back to the final hour of uh, Tip Today. Now we have a lovely prize for you because we're celebrating along with the Talbot Hotel in Clonmel. Their winter wedding viewing day is happening this current, uh, this coming Saturday, even uh, the 25th from 11am to 4pm. And because we're celebrating that, they've given us a festive afternoon tea for two to give away every single day. And that's in their newly renovated wheat bar and bistro. And Emma has come up with a question and it's fierce difficult altogether. Really, you're going to have to Google this one. She wants to know, where was baby Jesus born? So there you go. So if you... (laughs) If you can answer that, 083-311-3311. And uh, we'll have a draw for that uh, a little later on in uh, the programme. But right now, it's time for... Legal discussion on tip today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors Clan Mel on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com. John Lynch joins me in studio. Good morning to you, John. Good morning to you. You're shaking your head there with that question. I know. I just... I've been in church a couple of times over the recent past and I, I think one of the, my observations is I think I'm getting so bad it, it's, it's I suppose lack of being there but it's, it's kind of people known when to kneel when to stand and, yeah. uh, but when you're saying the decades of the rosary now it's getting quieter I don't know people are forgetting the prayers so yeah. I'm just thinking maybe the, yeah I, I, I'm always be. afraid in a situation like that that somebody will look to me to do one of the um, one of the decades and yes. me not having a notion yeah. about it and stuff. You know? <laughs> it's amazing the way things have changed over the years. Oh, it's it? incredible! I mean, we used to. I I was just thinking about it, you know, uh, on a less. Uh, but I remember as a kid um, having to sit down and do the rosary you know what I mean yeah yeah. and it was and funny and, and then I watched my parents and I watched the tra- the transfer through the years you know and you just wonder it has so dramatically changed mm. over the last number of years like and that, that's that's only yeah it's a, relatively a very short relatively time, short it? time yeah. it's you know it's 40 or 50 years but I mean we are getting to the stage now somebody somebody I remember somebody saying to a young couple about whether they were going to get married in the church or not and um uh, one 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 of the couple kind of said, "Oh no," and the other couple said, "Oh no." Well, I'd have to because if I didn't, you know, the family wouldn't be too happy. But so this, yeah. But you know, you just wonder. I suppose it's for a completely different discussion. Where are we going with it? You know, yeah. Whereas, and you know, the the whole thing. You know, we're talking about somebody flippantly said ChatGPT or AI or whatever. Are we going to have AI uh, religion? And masses and priests, you know, it's sad to see it. You know. Remember, though, a couple of years, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't be all that religious, but I was setting up to play for a wedding. And while I was setting up, there was rosary going on mm. in, in the church. But the sonic value of it was amazing. Mm. It, was, it created mm. a whole atmosphere yeah. within itself, you know. Well, it, it does. Like you, I mean, one of my favourite things to do, uh, or one of the things that I like to do, maybe a favourite, but one of the things I like to do when I'm abroad, I just love going into churches. Oh, me that, too. Yeah. But it's the whole sense of the history of it, yeah. and the fact that you're kneeling somewhere and you're 
if you like, you know, participating in whatever it is that's been done for centuries. I remember when I did the Camino, we used to pull in. I, I cycled with a fellow who was very happy to go in and out of churches. And then there was another fellow who wasn't so happy. <laughs> he was a Scottish fellow and he, was, he wasn't of the same discipline, if you know what I mean. But he, after about three days, he says, I'm not going into it. I'm not going into another one of those churches. He says, I'll be banned when I go home. But it was in, it was incredible. You'd go into a church that was thousands of years old, small little church up on the in the mountains in Spain, and just that whole sense that you know somebody kneeled in exactly this yes. place centuries ago. Yes, and not, de- not deaths, hundred years marriages, baptisms, yeah, everything. And all yeah. Of that. yeah, it's yeah. it's an amazing. It's and I suppose that is that sense. Whatever else, I mean, one of the saddest things I suppose I find about it is that sense of community is lost. Mm. You know, when 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 religion went and became not as prevalent in terms of, you know, Sunday mm. Mass and things mm. like that. It's the community side of it that has suffered as well. Whatever about the course, baseline yeah. religion. God, you've got me into a very philosophical mood yeah. this morning. Well, as we're talking about it, funny enough, graveyards. I'm obsessed with graveyards. Really? I love to read old stuff. Amazing history. Oh, Amazing stuff, history. You know, just yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Anyway, to much yeah, more... Much more mundane <laughs> More things. mundane things. GDPR, yeah. the bane of my life, John. GDPR, GDPR yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an amazing... What, what is it, first of all, just for absolute clarity? Well, yeah, well, I hope, uh, is there such a thing as There's absolute, absolute. <laughs> <laughs> General data protection. It was introduced by the EU, and the whole idea behind it is whatever about, you know, that your own personal data should be personal to you and that if somebody else has it, they have responsibilities to ensure that that other people don't get it or the people, do you know what I mean? So it's protecting your personal data. And... I mean, the big question that has kind of circulated over the last number of years in Ireland is that, okay, is if you have a data breach and if, as a result of that data breach, you're very upset or you're really put out by the fact that, you know, I was on Tip FM and I, I I gave some information that was then subsequently released without my agreement or my consent. It's a breach. So you have a responsibility or anybody who holds other people's data. I mean, it cross, comes across so many things. It's, yeah. you know, it's everywhere. You know, so the big question that, and by the way, it's not answered. Uh, I was going to say strangely enough, but it's not answered as to, you know, what level of breach are you to expect damages for? And that's, as as usual, you know, what are the consequences of the breach? And what does, if there is a breach, you know, do you have to, do you have to pay? And if you have to pay for it, is there, is there such a thing as punitive damages? And punitive damages or damages are very much an American thing, if you know what I mean. Like all of those cases you've seen in the States where you see them getting millions from a jury. I remember sitting on a plane with an American lawyer. We weren't the only two, obviously, on the plane, but he was sitting beside me. And um, he was talking about... And I said to him, how come damages are so... what appears to be excessive in in the United States? He said, well, it's simple, really. He says, and I can't do an American accent, but anyway. He said, it's really simple. He said, we take the view that you penalise people when they get things wrong and you pay what we call punitive damages. So the damages doesn't really necessarily reflect the injury. Europe is different or the common law system is different. The common law system is that you've got to, 
measure the damages in the context of the actual breach that's done. So if somebody releases your information, unwittingly or otherwise, it obviously depends on the consequences and what flows from that breach or that information being released. And so the debate is because it emanates from Europe and because it's it's a directive that came from Europe and because we now put it into Irish law. And one of the principles of European law is that there's a kind of a dichotomy of approaches insofar as the European system will tell each member state, here's a directive. So in this case, it was a directive on data breaches. Mm. Here's the directive. You've got to now implement it in your country. And the European system is that they delegate certain functions to the member state. And in this particular instance, what they've delegated to the member state is how much damage compensation stroke will will be payable in the event of a breach. So that's so, a very important portfolio, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. it's a huge yeah. yeah and and but but there have been I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a number at you because you probably can't contradict you here and see what I have in front of me here. But there's fourteen referrals in around fourteen referrals by different member states to the ECJ, which is the court that kind of gives you an assessment of what the European law is like. But there's been quite a number of referrals to them asking the question, what and how do we come up with mm-hmm. the level of damages? Because there's not so much... like it's, it, I was going to say it's easier to determine damages if you've got an injury. You know, I mean, if you're involved in a road traffic accident and you've got injuries, well, you know, you have... First of all, you've got a, a book of quantum mm-hmm. that gives you some indication as to what level of damage you're going to get. But you've got a very physical injury, you know, yes. and it's it, that's you can see it. But in the case of non you know, non physical injuries, that that's a more difficult thing. So, you know, damage to your reputation, damage to your credit, you know, like let's say it's a breach by a lending institution or an insti- financial institution. But so but the real question that kind of really kind of kind of grabbed the member states was where somebody says I'm really upset about this this has really affected me and you know I'm losing sleep at night etc does that attract damages and this has kind of appeared in the Irish courts in a couple of scenarios but not in a lot and what they've come up with, they love, you know, the way the legal system loves the old Latin words. Sure. De minimis is is the word that kind of what surfaced on this, which is, is there a kind of a, a threshold? You have to come up to a certain level of upset before you get damages. So, in other words, if you're just upset about it and it's kind of minimal damage, does that mean zero compensation and that's because you see the European court said that it doesn't automatically follow that just because you have a breach of your your mm. information it doesn't automatically follow that you're going to get compensation and what we're talking about now John is on top of the fact that there are huge fines 
if oh, you yeah, breach. absolutely. If you mm. breach. So this is on Correct. top of that. Oh, no, this is for the individual whose personal the, data has yes. been released. Because the front page of is of the examiner today, HSE sued over 400 times due to the cyber hack alone. Mm. So, Correct. So there's Correct. a perfect example of what we're talking That's about. That's a perfect example of it. And, and therein lies the, issue, the question. Being sued is one thing, but what's the level? What, how are the courts going to deal yes. with it? Yeah. If you know what I mean, and that's what you're talking about. And um, you know, it's been it's been a really interesting couple of two or three years about this because very very recently, initially they were stalling everything. Mm. When I say stalling everything, the 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 British the English courts came up with that there is a stand, there is a, a minimal figure, de minimis rule. So they applied the rule. They said, look, for a trivial kind of, I'm upset about it, that's not enough. We're not going to pay a compensation for that. So they kind of, they set that test. In, in, in Ireland, they hedged their bets initially because of the cases being referred to the ECJ, to the European Court, yeah. to ask the European Court, you tell us, is there a minimal test or is there not? Or how are we supposed to do this kind of thing? Now, the the European Court actually issued a case, but surprise, surprise, it didn't really clarify what it's what the European Court said to the member states, all of them, because obviously when they when the European courts issue a judgment. They basically are giving directions to them, each member state. So you can imagine there's quite a lot of courts yeah. and different court systems. Because if you look at the Irish system, it's common law based, UK common law based, French and Germans are not common law based. They're they're a different system altogether to our system. So they're 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 kind of giving guidance to a whole different different types of court systems. And when they gave this guidance, so they were asked the question, is there a, is there a de minimis rule? And they came back with, no, there's not. Uh, so therefore, that threw that out the, out the door, if you like. Then they were asked the question, well, is there, is there a way that we can do this? And the answer came back, no, it's up to the member states to make a decision as to what and how they're going to assess damages. Mm. And have we done that here, John? Yes, we then had a case literally in the last year. All of the cases were stalled. I was going to say stalled, but they were deferred until this judgment. Then once the judgment issued, then we actually did have a case which was held in the, heard in the circuit court not appealed to the High Court, the case was handed down. And twas the, I'll tell you the circumstances, because you, you've just drawn uh, my attention there to the, the HSE. The HSE but yes. the one in this particular one was an interesting one, because, and an interesting example of what we're talking about, you had an employee uh, in a company in a fairly senior position, and they were doing training demos, training uh I'm going to say demos. They were doing training Workshops videos. Or, yes. Yeah, videos. Yeah. They were showing vid training videos, right? And in them, they used CCT footage. And in the CCT footage, the senior manager was shown in it as an example to the people being trained as to how not to do the job, if you know what I mean. Okay. And in fact, he wasn't... It was, it was incorrect. He wasn't, that wasn't him. He wasn't actually there. And what I mean is that when they did the video, it looked like he was the one that 
or one of the ones that committed the breach and didn't follow proper procedures. But in fact, he just happened to be in the video, but wasn't involved in the activity. But you couldn't see that from the video. It looked like, you know, it's like John Lynch is not supposed to uh, talk to... Uh, let's say if the client comes in to make a will and it's the the elderly uh, parent and the child and son or daughter or whatever and the practice is that you're not supposed you're supposed to say to the son or daughter I have to take instructions directly from your mother or your father and that's good practice and you do a video so you show a video in my office with me bringing in the client um, and be going out to the waiting room, bringing in both, and then it looks like I've brought both into the office so I'm in breach, whereas in fact the other one went to the loo instead of coming into my office, if you know what I mean. So that was the scenario. So therefore, you had a breach without a doubt. So he then sued his employer and he said that he, he, he said that he lacked sleep, he wasn't able to sleep, that he's his fellow employees were taking the mick <laughs> weren't, weren't if that's right so he wasn't really very happy about that and um, he, so as far as he was concerned so you had a breach and as a result of that breach there were consequences and he was looking for compensation as a result of it so the case came before the court all the previous cases had been adjourned and the judge in this instance decided, I have the ECJ judgment. It Now, this is this may be oversimplifying it, but I have the ECJ judgment. The ECJ judgment, i.e. the European Court judgment, says it's up to the member states. So I'm not going to defer this anymore. I'm going to make a decision. So the judge made the decision and he said, OK. And the gist of it was, he said, well, OK, yes, there's a breach. There mightn't be a de minimis rule. In other words, you know, there mightn't be a threshold here. But, you know, he's given evidence uh, that he was slagged by the, cl- by the other mm. employees. He was upset about that. He said he didn't sleep. He was upset about that. Um, and he generally, he, and he made an award of compensation. And he said, okay, in this particular instance, I'm making my decision, I'm awarding compensation. And I'll give it, you can, he said that I'll have a look at the book of quantum in personal injuries. And when I look at it, I see there's a range of compensation for psychological stroke, psychiatric injury. I'll have a look at that. It's the only real guidance that I have. When I look at that, there's a range of between 500 and, say, I, I'll just pick a figure, say 6,000 or something like that. And he made a, he, he decided on a figure. But before he did that, then he said, well, there's a lot of these cases that would be below the 500 figure, he said. Uh, and as far as I'm concerned, the level of compensation isn't huge or shouldn't be huge in this situation. And and it is a matter of proof. In other words, like everything else in law, you have to bring evidence mm. into court about what the injury was. So how much compensation do you think he gave? Three grand. Two. Two grand. Two grand. Well, so, it would yeah. cost him that you're in, in legal fees, would it? Well, there's an interesting thing that you, 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 hit, you hit a very soft spot there because under the new Courts Act in 2023, they've, they've introduced a change which isn't yet implemented that brings the 
like two grand brings you into the district court in terms of compensation. But for GDPR cases, they're all taken in the circuit court at the moment. But under the 23 Act, they're going to be brought down to the district court. So your point is a very interesting one, i.e., but you'd pay, you'd be, you'd be paying a fair whacking costs. But you get circuit court costs for a GDPR case because it can only be brought in the circuit court. When you bring it down to the district court, that will change things as you can Very imagine. Can I ask you a quick question? Before, at the risk of causing a run on Lynch solicitors, <laughs> if if I found out, if I was alerted to the fact that through the HSE cyber hack, yes. uh, my, my details got out there, hmm. I can't tell you that it caused me particular grief mm. or I can't tell you that it mm. affected any other aspect of my life. Mm. But my details are out there. Mm. Have I a case? Well, that's the very good question because you do have a case, but what the law says is that just because there's a breach, doesn't it doesn't automatically follow that you have loss or compensatable loss. So the question here is, if you're coming in to me saying... Yeah, my, my, my information was leaked. It's out, it's out there and there's a number of elements to it, right? And there are, there are a couple of nuances in this, like, like everything else. If the court looks at it and the HSE immediately, once they identify the breach, apologise to it, to you for it. So let's take your situation. If they apologise to you for it, if you take action immediately on it, in other words... The court will look at how fast are you going to react to the breach. You know, are you going to immediately go and say, wait a minute here, this is my data, you shouldn't have breached it. Secondly, if the HSE turns around straight away and says, we're really, really sorry about this, Fran, you know, this is outside our control, but we fully accept that as a breach and we apologise to you. So if if all that runs through, then the next question the court's going to look at is going to say, well, right, Fran, what exactly are your losses your non-material losses, because obviously if you have a material loss, like if as a result of that breach there is a material loss, mm. i.e., you know, if it was to affect your your health or if you had to undergo, say, medical treatment as a result and yes. because of the breach or whatever, if you know what I mean, or if it pred- but if, if you're simply saying, I was really upset about this, but you can't produce any, you know, you're not really right. saying you're... Okay. Well, then you... you it's, and, and the fact, of course, we're always... You're going to get time. hit with the but, diminutive but, rule but, there. But the fact that possibly down the road, yeah. my information could be used in a manner which could affect me in some which way. Which could affect you. Now, there's a really interesting question because what the court said in the circuit court, and again, you're really only looking at one judgment. There's no definitive judgment mm. on this yet mm. from the ECJ or from the Irish courts. Uh, and that's not fair. I'm not being, I'm being possibly unfair to the circuit court judge. Obviously, he did give directions. He said he did give a couple of indicators. Yes. You know, he said, you know, you must prove that you have, that there are consequences to you, right. if you know what I mean. You have to prove. Like, let's say Fran came back in to me or Fran's brother or whatever comes in the following day and he says, well, because of this breach I've been, you know, I have literally suffered from post-traumatic stress, yeah. Yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah. And it's a, psych- a recognisable psychiatric injury. Like, let's say, I mean, it's like it's like everything in Fran. I always remember uh, in the early days when a client came in to me who was involved in a road traffic accident. And I remember, and it was just simply, there was no actual impact. It was the lights, you're coming through the lights and a car flew out 
past him and literally just somebody broke the lights but no impact happened and he suffered from a psychiatric injury and I remember thinking to myself you know okay like in my in my head I thought that seems to be an overreaction to it but it was a very serious uh, consequence so far these you could have but the key thing as I've often said to you in a court of law is if you're going to go in and make a claim you don't get compensation just because they breached it that's very interesting. Yeah. That, that and that certainly wasn't my understanding, but it's great. Yeah, it's yeah, great to yeah, have that yeah. clarify. John, thanks very much indeed. Always a pleasure and always yeah. most interesting. Thank you, John Lynch of Lynch Solicitors in Clonmel. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over fifty years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie. Stay tuned for your chance to play Tip FM's Match 3 game with Stakelum's Home and Hardware and Expert Electrical at Racecourse Road, Thurles. Stakelum.ie 90 squares, 30 hidden prizes. Match up three squares on the board, win the prize. The more you listen, the more you track where the prizes are. All you've got to do is Match 3. Keep listening for your chance to play the Match 3 game with Stakelum's on Tip FM. Give yourself the gift of a pre-ordered Christmas shop from Dunn Stores this year. Ham and turkey can be pre-ordered today for collection or delivery between the 20th and 23rd of December. Letting you skip the queue and skip the worrying about getting everything you need for the perfect Christmas. Now available in selected stores nationwide. Visit dunnstoresgrocery.com to find your nearest store. Make Christmas for everyone at Dunn Stores. Subject to availability, terms and conditions apply. This week, the Black Friday sale event really hots up at Aramount Furniture Nina with discounts of up to 70% on more right throughout the store. Yes, up to 70% on more off living room suites, bedroom furniture, tables and chairs, lamps, pictures, rugs and occasional furniture during the Black Friday sales event this week at Aramount Furniture Nina Retail Park, Limerick Road, Nina. Open Sunday 1.30 to 5.30. See aramount.ie. Don't miss it. Escape the Runs in the rain. Escape the driving in gridlock. Escape being squashed like a sardine on the train. Escape the routine. Escape to the excitement of a ski trip from Cork Airport. Escape to the slopes around Lyon, the pistes above Geneva, the fresh powder near Munich, or maybe a little après ski in Salzburg. Book now and fly direct from Cork Airport this winter. No hassle and stress-free. Cork Airport. Love taking off. I wonder will it snow this Christmas because I wonder how I'm going to heat the house. Wonder will I have enough left over for food and toys. For families facing poverty, this is the wonder of Christmas. Please support the St. Vincent de Paul annual appeal. Donate at svp.ie or call 0818-176-176. This weekend is not just another weekend. It's special. It's a one-off. Because this weekend is Black Friday weekend at Soundstore. Black Friday means massive discounts on kitchen appliances, TVs, and computers. Check out our Black Friday deals online now at soundstore.ie. At Thurless Credit Union, in addition to their traditional loans, you can borrow larger loans 
loans over a longer period. Car loans, home improvement loans, green energy loans and farming loans are all priced very competitively. Call Thurless Credit Union or for more, check out their new website, thurlesscu.ie. Thurless Credit Union is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. It's 8 degrees today in Tipperary. A perfect reminder to check out how SEAI can help you start your home energy upgrade journey with government grants. Visit SEAI.ie for more. Black Friday event up to 50% off. Shop in store or online at paulbyronshoes.com. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Thurlis author Susie Murphy has published A Class Inherited, uh, the sixth book in her historical fiction series, A Matter of Class. And I'm delighted to say that she joins me online. Susie, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Lovely to talk. I can't believe that this is the sixth book because I remember talking to you first time round, Susie. It's amazing, isn't it? I know, it's mad. We've come a long way. <laughs> a long, and did you intend right from the start that Bridget and Cormac would would exist for so long, I suppose? Um, well, in the, in the beginning, it was, it was supposed to be just one book, actually. And then uh, just that book kind of got so big that I was like, OK, I think I'll split this into three. And then after the three, I was like, OK, I think, I, I think there's more to tell here. So I just kept going and... Um, at one point, I was going to like skip like a period of time, like about eight years, and then um, I told my mom and my friend about that. They were like, uh, "No," so I had to put another book in there too. So um, yeah, it just kind of kept expanding. So I'm um, on number six now. That came out yesterday, and there'll be at least two more in this series. Right. Um, yeah. There might be a ninth. There might be a ninth book in there, but I'm I'm kind of letting that idea just kind of ferment in the background at right, the moment. So it's all, I, all marinating in the head at, yes, uh, at uh, the I moment. I figured yeah. the characters will probably tell me what's going to happen at some point. <laughs> it is, of course, historical fiction. So what era are we talking about? Just to remind people, Susie. Yeah, it's the 19th century. So um, the first book uh, takes place in 1828. And then um, uh, obviously time passes through the series. So the latest book is actually 1846, 1847. So it kind of covers about two decades almost now over the six books so far. Um, and and I, re- I remember reading an article about you, Susie, where you basically said that you think you were born out of time in a lot of ways. Are you fascinated by this era? Would you like to have lived through this uh, wonderful era, era, I suppose, and a, an era of huge change? Absolutely. Like, I mean, I, I, like it's easy to have a very romanticised view of, of that era. Like, you know, I mean, I love the idea of, you know, ball gowns and mm. going to the ball and the courting and all that but you know I, I, I do try to keep a very practical head on myself as well because it was not a good time in terms of hygiene and health and poverty and like the class divide was so massive mm. like you know there was so much of a, of a gap between the, the wealthy and, and, and the poor struggling to get by like you know so I'm very conscious of the fact that it was not an ideal time but I, I like to uh, mm. I like to romanticize parts of it, and then remember that there was a, a greater element to it too, and try and try and capture both. And and, the, and the, con- the conflict 
of this era is kind of the backdrop to individual stories. Would that be fair to say, Susie? Yes, yes. So, so the 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 location of the first book is is a a, a rural country estate which is owned by an Anglo-Irish landowner, but uh, you know the the Irish Catholics are the ones the tenants living on the land. You know, so there's a lot of tenant unrest and that uh, that uh, blows up a little bit in book three actually so that's where that um, comes into play quite a bit and then the latest book, book six uh, the famine is taking place at this time so so now there's that uh, extra element of what's going on in the background as well and the fact that you know um, the Irish were starving while the upper class were still um comfortable and wealthy. So uh, that that conflict comes into play a lot through the series. And through the series of books, Cormac and Bridget, they, they, they went to, to London, they went across to America. And in the current book, are they sort of, are they home now? Is that is that the way it is? So that, that's actually, yeah, a big crux of this of this uh, book is, is, is making that decision uh, because they were, they were in America for books four and five and and the, the the a couple of letters arrive at the start of book six, and that's what uh, uh, brings them back across the water. So there's some of this book is set in England, and some of it is set in Ireland. So it's split between the two. And we're into the next generation essentially as well, aren't we? We are. Yes, there is a second generation involved now as well, and they're growing up too. Uh, so their stories are coming to the front as well. And um, so there's there's a f- multiple characters to keep uh, track of now and 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 their stories and their 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 love stories as well. But it's such a, a, a fascinating tale indeed. How does it work for you? Because we don't want to give away too much of the the detail of the current book, but how does it work for you, Susie? I mean, do you do you have these stories sort of made up in your head and it's a case of putting it down on paper or do you struggle through how does that work for Susie? So so the kind of the, the general framework I've had in my mind for a while. So I, I would have I would have seen ahead what's going to happen in these books. And uh, so, but but then when it comes to to the actual writing, then I know I need to flesh things out a lot. So there, that's when I have to add in extra layers, you know, subplots, and re- might realise there's characters that are needed here that I hadn't thought of before. So it's like I have the bones. To begin with, they've been they've been in my head for a while, but then when it comes to the writing, that's when I really need to add on the flesh, you know, and uh, and and think about how to actually expand the story to make it uh, coherent the whole way through and um, intriguing, you know, to to keep people reading. And I, I also think that you can have a fantastic story, but if you don't have the authenticity around the story, it doesn't work quite as well. And you look to your, your childhood in Tipperary and in Clare, I know as well, to get that sort of authenticity, don't you? That's right. Um, uh, one of the locations in the first book is a, is a Cormac's family cottage. And I really drew on my, my grandparents' cottage uh, for that uh, whole um, environment. So... Um, my my grandparents had a home in Ballyvaughan in County Clare, and I just remember all my summers going there um, for visits and just just going there loads. And I just you know the smell of the turf fire and just the the the, the yeah the feel of that house really inspired the cottage and the story. I just felt that that was that was where I drew those those senses from. Very good. It's also televisual 
to me the story is. Is there any talk about this being made into a series or into a movie or that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be fantastic? <laughs> I, yeah. I I have had a lot of readers tell me that they can they can see it. Like yes, they can yeah. they can just visualize it on the screen. So um no 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 exciting news to reveal on that area just yet. But there we we'll keep the fingers crossed. You never know. <laughs> right. There will be a net uh, a Netflix series, I would imagine, very soon indeed. You're doing a launch, I think, Susie, are you? Yes, that's right. So um so this sixth book I, I released it online yesterday. And then uh, this Friday evening, I'm having a physical book launch in Bookworm Bookshop in Thurlis. Um And that's happening at half six on Friday evening. And um, if anyone would like to come along, that would be fantastic. Everyone's more than welcome. Um, we'll do a, 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 little, a little reading from the book, sign a few books, and just have a nice, a nice little celebration to... to launch the book on its way. It's a lovely idea. You couldn't be in a better bookshop. It's one of my favourites, I have to say. It's it's just fantastic. And it's an independent bookshop, which I think is very, very important as well. So everybody's invited along for that, Susie. Yes, and if if people can make it, just maybe drop me an email to let me know in advance just so that we have um, an idea of numbers. Mm. Um, My email is um, susie at susiemurphywrites.com So just a a quick RSVP will will just uh, give uh, let us know and uh, really look forward to, to seeing people there. And if we've whetted people's appetite about Bridget and Cormac's story, the back catalogue of books, will they be available in, in the, the Bookworm as well? Yes, yes. yes. The, the full series is available in Bookworm. Um, yeah, and, and it's available online as well, but uh, I'll be there on, on Friday night signing books in person, so people might like to get those ones. <laughs> that's very good. And it, 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 that's your hometown, isn't it, Susie? Is Thurlis your hometown? Yes. Um, technically, yeah. <laughs> like I, w- I would say I'm from Thurlis, uh, yeah. but I actually didn't move there until I was uh, going into secondary school. Right. Um, but because but, my we moved around an awful lot when I was small. My dad was a bank manager, so we 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 moved uh, I at three or four different homes along mm. the way. But but Thurlis was really where I Very I good. took down my and, roots. And were you, you know? a nurse line girl or a presentation girl? I was an Earthline girl, and I actually, I actually was a teacher in the Earthline as well. I Were taught you? in the, um, ah. yeah, the the music school there, uh, St Andrew's Academy of Music. I was a piano teacher there for nine years, so uh, I have a long-standing connection with the Earthline and Thurlis. Very good. So I'm sure many of your friends will will be there to say hello to you on on Friday night. Susie, congratulations to you, and and well done, and always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Anna. Thank I really appreciate it. Thank Thanks you, Susie. Bye-bye to you now. That is uh, temporary author Susie Murphy there in that launch of a uh, marvellous book, marvellous series of books, by the way. If you're into historical fiction, you will love it. Um, Friday night at uh, The Bookworm. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.